Welcome to The Enlightened Leader, a place where we talk about the future of leadership today. In this episode, we're going to be talking about leadership in fintech, which is an exciting, fast-paced market that is, of course, filled with both challenges and opportunities. Our special guest today is Salim Dahani, the CEO and co-founder of BigPay, one of the fastest-growing fintechs in the Asian region. In recent weeks, BigPay um, managed to acquire $100 million US dollars from the South Korean conglomerate SK Group. So there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in this space. So I would like to welcome uh, Salim to the show. Welcome. Hey, Paul. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, great to be here. Um, yeah, yeah, that definitely has been an eventful uh, 2021 for us. So uh, with SK Group coming in uh, and us raising our financing, our Series A financing, um, along with all the developments that we have in the pipe. So, so yeah, happy, happy to be here. Uh, thanks a lot, Paul. Well, you know, Salim, would it be really good, you know, for our, our, our listeners to, to learn a little bit more about is big pay. I mean, exactly what do you do? And probably the next question that's going to follow that is where are you going? <laughs> uh, good questions. Um, so so let, me, let me start by framing the problem statement that we looked at, you know, in 2016, starting this business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll kind of go into like how we've evolved, right? So, you know, Southeast Asia, needless to tell you, but, you know, is that, and, it's, and probably a lot of our listeners is that it's one of the fastest growing markets, you know, globally in terms of where capital is flowing into, where, the, where, where there is a rising middle class. And, and that's really was a lot of our impetus in, in coming into this market. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was sitting in London and we were looking around this region and we were saying, you know, there's going to be a lot of investment over the next 10 years, and that middle class is going to be rising. And, and tr- the banks in Southeast Asia have, are, are very traditional banks, right? So they've, they've, yeah. they've not been able to, uh, you know, rehaul their tech. They've, tip- they've, they've, they've had a very good, you know, I'd say 15, 20 years after the Asian financial crisis because they've, and they've been dividend engines. They've been able to cater to the top 20, you know, to top 10%, mm. maybe the top 20%. But the reality is, is that it doesn't, there were unsustainable models providing, let's say, higher value products like loans or, or savings products or wealth products to the whole mm-hmm. middle class and the underserved and the unserved, right? So the segments of the population, which are obviously quite abundant in Southeast Asia. Um, and so our premise was that we can do this differently. We can come in with, with better tech, with, you know, better systems, with a lower cost model and still have a sustainable model by providing, you know, these you know, population segments uh, around Southeast Asia, around ASEAN uh, with, you know, better banking products. Because ultimately, right, like if you, if a debit card doesn't help you build a strong financial future, it's the saving wealth products, access to liquidity. And that's the problem that we wanted to solve. So um, now I'll go to your second question, right? Like, so we started off in the very early days being a payment product. And it was very simple. It was, we'll give you an awesome, simple UX and UI that allows you to, with a, you know, with a MasterCard, Visa card, that allows you to spend anywhere and see your transactions immediately, right? Mm-hmm. And something that we take for granted in many places in the world is that we won't shut your card off after, you know, 11.30 p.m. <laughs> like, we'll allow you to spend, you know, anytime you like. Um, and uh, so, you know, we, we allowed the Venmo style kind of P2P. We allowed budgeting so people could see how they're spending. 
And obviously, you know, with AirAsia being, being, you know, one of our, our major shareholder, allow, you know, having access to give people value. So when you're not only booking a flight, but then when you travel, you're paying, you know, you're not paying any fees or you're not paying any, right. you know, uh, really expensive, you know, uh, 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 foreign exchange uh, um, surcharges, right? So that was a big drive for us to basically have that ecosystem and have that, that transition from when somebody... Uh, is is booking a flight to be able to spend a flight, you know, spend abroad and have that continuity. Mm. So those are the hooks. Um, and as we evolve, what we what we what we've done is launch more and more products, right? So how mm. how better can we augment the, the the user journey? How can we build more? So we've added things like bill payments and like micro insurance. Uh, we'll add more insurance, like travel insurance, for example, for you know, for again, for flyers, but also just general uh, insurance mm. as well, life insurance, health insurance, um, and then we'll go into what's it, loans, which is something that we're we're really excited about, and when we're launching imminently, actually, um, is the ability to provide you know contextualized loans to our users, and and we're not just saying we're not going to review people's risk like uh, traditional financial organizations. We we have a lot of data, we have a lot of understanding of our users. And we can take, you know, arguably better risk decisions around them. I mean, the proof will be in the pudding, but essentially, um, you know, we'll launch a lot of these products, including wealth and savings as well, right? So fulfilling that journey of a user um, in terms of what they need in their financial life. And so long term, really, just to to wrap it up, it's just just about creating like like allowing someone to come to one place and get all of their financial banking services. So it sounds like you've you've seen that there's been a massive gap in the market here, especially in in Asia, the Asian region, because a lot of the banks are very traditional in the way that they operate and the products and services they offer. And like you said, very often it was very much to the sort of the, the, the sort of higher earning ten percent. Uh, and, and and you're right. I mean, there's a huge middle class building in the re- region, and you see a massive space where you can disrupt and um, yeah, really do something different and. I mean, the thing about this is, Salim, and the, the part that I'm really interested in as well is, is that obviously, you know, you're in a very competitive, I think, in some ways, in a very complex market. There's so many moving parts here. So, I mean, as a, as a leader, how do, you, how do you manage that? I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the next three to five years, let alone the next 10 years? So, I mean, how do you navigate these challenges and how do you lead a, a company like Big Pay through, through this? That's a really good question. So I think the first thing is, is that we have a conviction to our model and mm-hmm. uh, or, or I would say our, our, our vision and mission rather. And I think leadership and, and decision making and, you know, directionality in terms of what we're trying to achieve changes over time. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. We first started this business, you know, I think what you're asking the crux of is that you have a lot of changing things, you know, moving parts all around you. How do you continue to make good decisions and make sure that you're, you know, you're protecting this, this business and making sure you can make it successful, right? So That's it. Yes. Yeah. And if you look at day one, it was a very different organization. There was three people in a room, you know, we were sitting down <laughs> making a decision. No, 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 really, right? I mean, that uh-huh. doesn't, it's, it's a very different process from how you concept, how you perceive a problem to how you you know, think of solutions to how you execute on those solutions mm. and, and how you perceive perhaps what was a threat then is different to what is a threat today, right? Mm. So um, 
I think leadership is understanding that an organization is, you know, just, just a microorganism, just like anything else. And, it, and it's evolving and shifting and, and everything within it needs to as well. And mm-hmm. understanding what's around it. Um, we've evolved over the, over the years um, and our organization and, 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 and leadership has changed, right? So in terms of how we lead this business. Um, now, what we've, you know, what we've realized is that, you know, and especially what I've realized is that over time, we need to, we need to uh, make sure that we're hiring, we need, we're insulating ourselves against tomorrow's problems. We're, we're hiring the right people as an example, but it's not just about hiring the right people. You know, uh, and that's one of the things that we've done is about giving them agency, giving them, empowering them to make decisions, right? And then having, and having the right checks and balances within the organization to be able to yeah. uh, uh, have the best possible outcomes, right? So I'll give you an example. Um, when you're looking at what kind of products you want to launch, for example, mm-hmm. how is that decision made? You know, day one was done three people in a room. Yeah. Now you've got, it's a multifaceted, very complex problem. So mm. how do you empower the team? How do you empower your, your, your organization to make those decisions, but with the right level of rigor and, and uh, process, but yet yeah. creativity to ensure that you're relatively insulated in terms of what decisions are made, right? So insulated as in like, we've, we under, we've taken a, we've, we've been quite cognizant of, you know, as you said, the competition, all the externalities as well that are coming into this, uh, coming into that process. So, I mean, there's two key words that jumped out at me at the beginning was obviously getting the right people on board. I mean, obviously, that's that's key to have the, the right talent in, in place, attracting them and, of course, retaining them. Um, but also another big word there is empowerment. And um, <clears throat> again, you know, a lot of organizations or actually a lot of the leaders I talk to say that, you know, that is definitely the way forward. But it is always a challenge. Um but I like the, the way that you were talking about getting the checks and balances right as well. And do you find, I mean, obviously one of the biggest changes that's probably happened since you guys uh, started off was probably the amount of data that is available for decision making. Yes, easy for some, for organizations to become, to say that they're data-led organizations, but it's mm-hmm. very hard in practice. And we found this, like, it's mm-hmm. not an easy thing. It's not easy to know you know, there's good data and bad data. And, yeah. you know, you can make data say anything you want. So what data, you know, is relevant in that particular decision-making process? And that comes back to people, right? So as much yeah. data as you have, you need to have smart people that are looking at that data in the first place. Yeah. Um, and that understand what it really means. Um, yeah. You know, you touched on something really important, I think, on empowerment and, and how leaders say it's tough. It is the hardest thing ever. I tell mm. you that right now. It is hard. I think as a, you know, as a founder to not want to be in every, to, to kind of hold back from being in every decision. Yeah. And it's definitely a challenge and it takes constant training and constant pushing yourself to make that happen. Mm. Um, and I think that once I found that quite hard and I think that as we've, you know, especially like, you know, last year and you know, during all the changes going on, but now I feel as though you once, I think once you crack it, I'm not saying we've cracked it completely, but once you crack it, it's fantastic to see the organization just move and, and the results, the speed at which you move is, is incredible. And you notice that difference. Uh. Well, it's one, I think empowerment is one of those things that obviously, especially like if you've been there from the beginning, like you said, you want to be part of everything. Uh, and of course, it's just it's impractical and it's impossible uh, as, the, as an organization expands and grows. But it's, a part of it is not only finding the right people to empower to, but is also allowing yourself to allow them to do it. 
you know, and, and, and to get on with things by themselves. It's sort of, you've got to have so much trust um, in, in the people around you, you know, that, uh, that are going to be, you know, you're, you're, you're empowering. Absolutely. And that's been the most enlightening thing. (laughs) No, no, no pun intended because of the show, but that's been the best thing for this organization, quite frankly. Um, And that's what we've done over the last, and that was a very conscious decision that we made uh, 12 months ago to make it happen. And how, I mean, I'm going into a bit more detail on this because I think it's pretty important and it's, it is a topic that, you know, a lot of people struggle with, like I said, is, but how do you, how do you go about that? I mean, what were the, could you give us some idea of some of the steps that you, 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 you sort of put in place to start to make this happen? Yeah, sure. So, so the first thing was, you know, back in, let's say there were, you know, we had some organizational changes in, 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 in November last year, September, October, November last year. I took on this role in December, and I think that, you know, but it, still as a founder, we saw this happen, right? But, but I think yeah. that you're, you're, it's easy to turn a blind eye to some of this, mm-hmm. right? Um, so the first step was, was recognizing it within the, the senior leadership team and saying, mm-hmm. hey, guys, what do you think? Like, how do you think we do this? Like, well, what's your view? Like, what's your biggest frustration on decision-making, right? Because, yeah. you know, and, and that came up quite quickly. That was the first step we put in place. So, okay, let's try it this way. Let's try and like, you know, have, have more, it's, there's two components. One is how do you have information flow in an organization? And the second component is how are decisions made? And Mm. I think it's important to segregate these two things when you're trying to find the right framework for your particular organization, because it's not, it's not, it's not, you know, homogenous, the solution. So um, we found that, and remember as an, as I mentioned in the beginning, like it, it's an, it's an organism, right? So like, yeah. you know, people, your teams are used to making decisions some way, certain, certain type of way. And they've gotten comfortable with it, with mm. saying, Hey, you decide, you know? And it was the first step was recognizing it. The second step was breaking some of these molds yeah. and, 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 and saying, it's okay for you to make a call, right? Don't worry. Right. It's okay. I, I trust you. Right. To, to your point earlier. Yeah. And, and the last point was, you know, continually, um, I think enforcing it. And I think that sometimes you have to go slightly the other way and, and disconnect and disengage in certain things to allow people to make that call and, and kind of pull yourself back as well and then come back and find your cadence in terms of inf- both information flow and decision-making, right? Because yeah. sometimes people need to be put in that uncomfortable space to make that call and then they kind of understand like what the factors and they'll learn from that, especially in your leadership team. And so... That's kind of how we've done it, and, and we did that quite methodologically, uh, you know, over the last, you know, I'd say, I'd say uh, the first three months was just uh, trying trying it out and trying some of these theories. Mm-hmm. And the next six months was really putting it into practice, and what we've seen over the last three months has been has been absolutely great, absolutely fantastic. I, I think the, the the key thing that you said there was recognizing it by the leadership. Uh, that's the first step, right? That you know, as an organization, we actually have to empower people. Um, um, and then, the, of course, breaking the, the mold as well, which is probably a challenge at first, because, like you said, people feel a, well. People feel uncomfortable with change anyway. But when when people start to, you know, have things put on their lap and they're given that freedom, uh, it's nice. But it's also it can also be a little bit scary as well, especially when it's around decision making. Um, yeah, yeah, and and you know, a lot of this really then, Salim, is about building leaders. I guess at all levels within your organisation, it's about yeah, uh, making sure that people have those skills and they have the confidence to 
to, to make these decisions. What kind of people do you look for at Big Pay? I mean, when you're recruiting, when you're hiring, um, yeah, what, what are some of the attributes that you look for in, in the candidates that you, know, you take on board? The first thing I'd say, just, just to go back to your previous point, was that mm-hmm. different, you know, as we, as we build these leaders within our business, you know, different people, everyone's different, you know, yeah. like, so everyone needs a different, so some people take this, you know, take that, take the bull by the horns and are ready to make those decisions right away. And some people need, you know, need to be eased in gently, right? And so I think what the, the most interesting part and the biggest learning for me has been how to interact with different people, different characters, different, different personalities mm-hmm. within the leadership team and making sure that I'm not, you know, providing a, a perhaps, you know, a, 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 a method that is good for one person, not the other, but really, yeah. really being customizing it for to making sure that we're really empowering our, our leadership team to, to really win, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what kind of people do we hire? Well, the best. <laughs> <In short. laughs> um, um, we look for, there, there, there's a blend, right? It's yeah. a blend of experience. It's a blend of ta- like talent, like raw talent, experience, mm-hmm. and ambition. I think that, I think that some, you need to, ha- you need to be able to know how to make mistakes um, yeah. and learn from them. And I think that that is a really important piece. So I don't shy away from hiring people that have made mistakes, but at the same time, the key factor I look for is, is, is you know, especially as a leader is, it's okay to make a mistake, but, but, you know, ideally make a mistake once, you know, but like, you know, don't make it anymore. Like learn how to learn how to recover and what, you know, how to adapt. Right. Mm. The next thing is, you know, do you understand your space? Have you taken the time and the effort and do you understand, especially for more technical roles, right? Like, so anyway, there, there are these, obviously the charts that we all see around, you know, strategy, operational, you know, kind of execution, yeah. like those kind of graphs. But at the same time, you, you need to, as a leader, you can't be bamboozled by your junior guys, right? You need to understand. You need to, you need to, you need to have yeah. done it. You need, to, you need to get the role and get, get what your team is doing. So not least because your team needs to be able to ask you for advice, right? And lean on mm. you and, kind of, and understand that, 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 you're, that you, you get it. So have you put in the effort? Do you understand the role? Do you understand the job? And the next bit is ambition. I think ambition is an interesting, interesting mm. thing. I, I always think that, your ambition is guided by, you know, a complex mix of psychological factors of, of what inputs you've had, in, you know, throughout your life up until that point. Yeah. But directionality of ambition is important too. And yeah. that directionality is usually, I mean, not, not, I shouldn't say usually, sometimes, you know, and a lot of the time set by um, your idea or your notion of what you're going for, what you're trying to achieve. Mm. And, you know, you meet a lot of ambition, ambitious people, but can you get that ambition and, 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 and marry it with what you're trying yeah. to do as an organization so then you can thrive together? And I think that's something that I look for as well when we hire people. It, it's sort of, yeah, because obviously you can be ambitious in many different ways and shapes and forms, but does it align with the business? And, and if you can find people that are really ambitious about what they're doing with big pay or they're excited about it, um, then you've got some real fire to play with there, you know, inside. I mean, and Salim, what, what, um, what drives your ambition? I mean, it's interesting because I've asked you a lot of questions, you know, about business <laughs> and stuff like that. But on a personal level, I mean, what got you to where you are today? I think I was, I've been, I'm very grateful 
because so 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 my parents are were, were immigrants. Yeah. Um, my my mom my mom's family left in seventy eight from Iran. Uh, um, you know, in the revolution, just pre revolution, mm-hmm. and my father's family left in East Africa. Um, uh, you know, during the seventy six during the time of Idi Amin, and they both they went to London, and I I grew up. I grew up, they, they were, they're quite poor, you know, they, I, I grew up, you know, kind of, you know, seeing that. And, and I think that the turning point, and I, but there's a lot of people, you know, that, 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 that grow up in that kind of scenario. So I understood what it was to work hard. Uh, mm. I remember that um, very vividly and very clearly. And that makes me understand, you know, what it takes. Uh, but at the same time, I think that what the turning point was, was understanding what it is to go for it. Because I think a lot of people want to achieve, but the yeah. question was for me is like, what do you achieve? What do you, what, what is the goal, right? Like, yeah. you know, if you want to, you want to do a moonshot, you got to know what the moon is, right? Yeah. You um, have some clarity. <laughs> yeah. And so I was lucky to be surrounded that my, that, that, you know, I was surrounded by people that were able to kind of, that I could look up to as mentors and, and something that, you know, that, that, you know, that, that took me on as, you know, as mentees essentially that, and guided me throughout my throughout my life, and, and I've been very very grateful for that. Whether that be in in, in London or Toronto or, or LATAM, uh, mm-hmm. when I lived in Peru and, and Colombia. So, I think um, what drives me is a mix of things. So, on, on a very deep deep seated level, it's that right. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the raw ambition around 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 success, and perhaps the notion of success is one for a different podcast. Um, <laughs> and uh, and, and the next thing is actually the mission and vision that we're on. Um, mm. my, my early days at the World Bank was, you know, how to, you know, was around land formalization and unlocking credit for the middle class. And I realized that that, that wasn't necessarily the way that we were going to be able to achieve it or solve problems on, on a grand scale. Mm. And so when I look at kind of throughout my life, what, I, what I've done is, 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 is all been tied to the same problem statement. And, and I think now being able to make an impact, being able to finally achieve it, um, if we get this done right, uh, is, is, is definitely what drives me. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I, the thing that really sticks out here is, is having that clear sense of at least direction. I mean, we don't have to know exactly, but we, I think we need to have some kind of goal or something to, to reach for. And then, of course, have the courage uh, and probably not the confidence earlier on, but the courage at least to, to pursue that. Um, and know that also that it can it can switch and change a little bit as as you as you go through your career. I think it's it's really important. Yeah, hundred percent. It's trajectory, right? Yeah, and, and and you'll make decisions along your trajectory to you know narrow down that angle, right? If if you view it as a three sixty mm. angle, every decision that you make in your life will will narrow that the, the degrees that you have available to you. And, and I think exactly to your point, it's 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 okay. It's just the trajectory yeah. that you've chosen, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of people struggle with that. I, I mean, I did. I definitely struggled with that for years, um, certainly after I left school. And, you know, I had a number of different careers and different jobs. And But I guess there were certain components or there were certain aspects of what I was doing. There was some kind of alignment, I guess, in what I valued um, or what I felt was important. And so I think uh, after a few years, it probably took me longer than most. But <laughs> I think I finally got there um, on a path that uh, I want to be on. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's all that matters. Yeah. That's all yeah. that matters. 
Well, look, Salim, look, it's been fantastic. It really has. I mean, in the last, you know, 25 minutes, we've covered a lot of topics here. And I think you've really, you know, given our listeners a lot of great insights uh, around leading in a very disruptive and complex industry. And, you know, what the, inf- the information and the advice and the insights that you shared on decision making and empowerment um, and, of course, your own journey there as well. I think is is fantastic. So thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. And thanks so much for having me. It's great. And, and I, was, I really enjoyed the discussion. Uh, thanks a lot. Me too. 